It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. While in between, and as you're coming and going, and if you're sitting there, you're back, you can turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, and we're going to be looking at a few verses there, beginning with verse 37. So Matthew 22, verse 37, praise God. How many of you love the Lord? How many of you really, really love Him? Amen. That's good. That's good. We ought to be... Uh, you know, a while ago I said, man, we ought to act like a bunch of Texans fans. Or we could act like some Cowboys fans. Boo. No, no, we want to act like some, <laughs> some Texan fans, you know, in our service and get excited. You know, we get excited over, you know, some of these things uh, like a football game. We ought to get excited about heaven. We ought to get excited about God. He said he inhabits the praise of his people. He, he is enthroned in the midst of his, uh, of his people. That means he comes and builds his throne. I mean, man, we ought to get excited about that. If we could see into that dimension, that, that fourth dimension where he's doing that and, and just ministering it, uh, I tell you what, and one day you will see it. You'll see it. And when you do, you probably be laid out on the floor. <laughs> Praise God. But we need to love him. All things work together for good to those that... Now think about that as we talk today about love. Because you're going to have get a check up from the neck up. Well, maybe not so much for check up from the neck up. We need that too, but really a heart check today to see if we really do love him. We talk about loving him. We talk about loving other people. We talk about love, you know, but um, when you really get down to it, love is a, love is a pretty tough thing to really show and to exercise every day, every day, every day in our lives. In Matthew's gospel chapter 22, this is part of our all in series. We're going all in few weeks ago, the Lord really challenged us at the end of a service to that what would happen if, if everybody in, in the church would just be all in, 100%, you know, just going for it, just fully committed. Commit to pray every day. Pray for the church and pray for the harvest and uh, to pray and to intercede and, and uh, make a commitment to be to every service for the next eight weeks, wasn't it? The next eight weeks to be at every service. Pray to be able to bring somebody to church throughout those eight weeks. Pray about, uh, and, be just, and, and give. Give your tithes and your offerings and just be a giver through that eight weeks. What would happen? What would this church be if everybody did that? If everybody did that? So the uh, Lord really challenged you. We said, okay, well, we're going all in. So some people are going all in. Some people are going all out. And some people are just kind of watching it, you know? Uh, <laughs> And so I'm, I'm encouraging, let's go all in and see what God will do. You know, if we're just going to be complacent and, and full of apathy, God, he's moving. He, yeah, that's, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't move to that. He said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So we need to draw close to him and get committed. And God moves when he sees people that are humble before him and sold out. Jesus said this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let's pray together. 
Father, thank you for your word. It is blessed. Now, bless us today with it. Give us ears to hear. Give us a, a heart to receive. Give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding today to receive your word and to apply it into our lives. Holy Spirit, only you can take this message and specifically apply it to every person here individually because you know each one of our hearts, and we ask that you do that. So we uh, invite you to do that today. We open up ourselves, and we commit ourselves for the next 45 minutes just to really get what you're, having, what you're saying to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. And Adam Clark, in his, his commentary, he says that about this text today, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, your mind, he says that uh, this is a subject of greatest importance. And should be well understood as our Lord shows that the whole of true religion is comprised in thus loving God and loving our neighbor. Now think about it. I mean, this is, this is Christianity 101. I mean, this is Christianity for dummies. I think I'll write a book. That would be my book, Christianity for Dummies. <laughs> How about that? I mean, this isn't rocket science here. It's love God, love people. Love God, love people. That's it. And everything else hangs on that. Simple to say, but man, does it take commitment to do it. Love. What is love? What is it? What do you think of it? When you think of love, what do you think about? Shout it out. There you go. All right. His wife, he said, wife. Tell me some action. What is it? Give me some action verbs. Selfless. Unconditional? Commitment? Anybody else? Sharing? Okay, yeah. I, I didn't. Tolerance. Whoa. And where is your husband, by the way? <laughs> uh, it really is. It's long suffering, <laughs> patience. It it is at times. The love that he's talking about here, the Greek word is agape. It's actually uh, agapao, which is a little different use of the word. And it really, he's he's saying this is action. This is action. It's a self-giving love. Uh, it implies not just a desire or a feeling but a decision of the will to be committed to someone. Willfully deciding that I'm going to commit to someone or something no matter what. Making a choice to do that. Now, God did that. We know John 3, 16, it says, For God so agape, he loved, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, he willfully chose to do that no matter you know it wasn't how good we are how bad we are or anything to do with that is god willfully chose to do that and so what jesus is saying here is that to love willfully choose to obey and commit to and to um be committed to 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 god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and to love, make this unconditional commitment to your neighbor as yourself. Wow. It, uh, 
this word agape, this love, it means to take pleasure in. You know, when you really begin to worship the Lord, there's a, there's a certain pleasure that you enter into in the spiritual realm that satisfies your spirit and your soul and your mind like nothing else. If everybody would tap into that, I guarantee you nobody would miss church because you can't buy it out at the drugstore. You can't find it at the bar. You can't find it in some hotel bedroom. You can't, some, you, sometimes you can't even find it in the church. But it is a satisfaction that comes, that meets us, because Jesus told that woman in Samaria at the well, he said, uh, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we can only get to that point, that level through true love, this agape love that really loves God enough and chooses to worship him. No matter what it costs you to get to church, when you really fall in love with Jesus, you're going to make the devil mad, and he'll do everything he can to keep you apart. He don't like that relationship at all. It, um, it's also, uh, it says to prize, to prize, this type of love prizes above other things. In other words, put, puts the Lord above all other things and be unwilling to abandon him at any time. Wow. See, that's why Jesus asked Peter later on after the resurrection, you know, because Peter bailed out on him at the cross, right? Remember when they were going up and, and Jesus was saying, all of you are going to leave? And Peter, oh, not me. Everybody else follow him. Not me, Lord. And he says, you know, and Jesus says, yeah, well, you're going to deny me three times. So later on, Jesus came back to him and he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? These other guys sitting around in this campfire, do you love me more than these? Oh, Lord, yeah, man, you're my friend. Because Jesus was saying, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Did you make a choice to love me and not to abandon me, to find all your pleasure in me? And he says, man, I, I phileo. I'm your best friend, man. You, we're cool. We're tight. You're my friend. And Jesus said, hmm. And he asked him three times. Each time was a little different use of it. Finally, Peter said, Lord, you know all things. And he kind of just, I mean, he breaks down and he says, you know, I mean, you know that I love you. I guess as much as I know how to love you. We've got to know to love him. We've got to choose to love him. Before anything gets good or bad, we've got to make a choice to love him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He's saying everything that's within you, you've got to make this choice to say, I'm in. I'm all in on this deal. I'm, I'm going to love God. When, it's, when it looks like it, it's impossible to do that. Um, one commentary says that it's, it is a love that endures even when times are difficult and feelings may not remain as they once were. So when times are difficult and you don't feel as you know, good as you did at one time, do you still love him? Love him. Trust him. Wow. <laughs> it involves this total commitment on the part of the one who is loving the other. Total commitment. Sold out. 100% all in. And you know why we have so much problems today? Because we kind of go halfway in and we're going to check it out and see if it all works out. If I get, you know, because we have this attitude today is what's in it for me? And when we discover what's in it for me, if there's enough in it for me, then I might, you know, give a little bit more. And I'm sorry, people, if you don't think that that's right, that's right. That's how we approach things. And that's how we approach God is we come and uh, we'll receive him, but we're kind of waiting to see, okay, now what's in it for me? What's God going to do for me? And I'm sorry, but that's not love. 
I, I told you they'd act like that, God. I knew, I knew it, boy, I wouldn't. <laughs> so remember that scripture I said in Romans 8, 28? What did that say? All things work together for who? Okay, all right. I just want to make sure we're still remembering that. When all things begin to break loose, see, that's a test of your love. Because it's not so fun then. It's not so mushy. It's not so warm and fuzzy at that particular time. You know, what, he's, what Jesus is saying is you, you've got to commit everything to God. Oh, I lost them there too. I, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> well, amen, walls. Y'all can shout out. <laughs> commit everything to God. Hey, we just received the offering. Should we go around and everybody stand up and say, and we just take a report? I like how they did it one time. We, I used to sing this choir, and, and uh, we went to this one uh, black church one time, and I was pretty fascinated how they did it. They put this table out there, the communion table. They slid it out, put two seats behind it. The uh, lady opened the book, and you come down, and you give, and she wrote it down right there. Go, well, there you go. <laughs> wow. Well, see how much you love God. <laughs> you know, does he have your checkbook? Yeah, that's real quiet. See, because we know that Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart is also, right? So we've got to love him with all of our heart. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, you know, and God's, you know, he's, he kind of sets back to, I'm not gonna, you're the one that's got to make the decision to love me. I've already expressed my love to you. I gave you everything. That I had, I gave my only son, and he gave everything he had for you. So we've already thrown all in. We're all in. Didn't hold anything back. All in. Now he says, if you draw close to me, draw near to me. I'll draw near to you because he's already made a move. Now then, it's our time to decide if we're going to go all in. Now it's getting a little uncomfortable now, isn't it? I mean, you know. Most of the time, you, if you preach a sermon on love, oh, yeah, that, that's going to be soft and easy. Ain't going to be no, no, uh, not going to be too tough or anything like that. I think I smell a little hide burning already in here. <laughs> I told the Lord, this wasn't going to be, you know, it wasn't going to go over real good. It's going over about like a pregnant pole vaulter. That's how it's going over. <laughs> love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. Not halfway, but all the way. And what's the heart? Well, let's just take a look at this real quick, and we're going to go to another place. But in our heart, within this realm that we can't see, this part of us, this makeup, I believe that we are a trichotomy. I believe uh, there's this big discussion through the theologians if we are dichotomy, if we're two persons or if we're three. I believe we are a, we're made in the likeness and image of God, right? So if he's a spirit, I believe we're a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. I believe at salvation that when we receive his, the spirit of the Lord comes into our spirit, which was dead when, uh, because of sin in this world, but then it is born again. And so that's when we really become this three-part person, you know, got split personality, yeah. <laughs> but uh, then our spirit man becomes alive, but we still have a soul and we have a body and then we know that the flesh or that natural nature of the old creation that's within us is battling against the new creation. And so we have this stuff going on. And so all this is happening, but we got to understand that this part of it, there's a part of us that's called the heart. And uh, it's where, 
uh, our purposes come about, where we decide that we, what we pursue, those things that we pursue, uh, those things that, um, um, you know, that we, that we make a decision to, to go after and just to, to push, you know, and, and give our attention to. And so that's within the heart. That's why if we're, if we're loving them with all of our heart, our pursuit ought to be what in Matthew 6? Seek ye first the what? Kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. But see, that's kind of hard to get our head around, you know. I mean, how do you go to college and say, you know, this is what my major is, and, but I'm, I'm pursuing God's kingdom? Well, we've been lied to that we can't, we don't think that we can have a certain career that's going to advance the kingdom of God as well. Whatever you do, if you do it unto the Lord, and you, you're, uh, you have given him your heart, so you're going to use that opportunity, that job, that talent, whatever it is, uh, to advance the kingdom wherever you are, you can be a witness and a testimony for Jesus. And when you have that kind of attitude, he can take you higher and higher and higher because he knows he's got your heart. See? And that, that no matter what else happens, that your first and foremost pursuit is going to be for the kingdom. And you can do it with whatever vocation that you choose or that he's put within you, whatever drive that he's that he's designed in you. He wants people in all walks of life so that we can go into all the world, okay? You know, it's not, somehow or another, we got this thing of where there's a separation between, you know, clergy and laity, the people, and then the professional clergy, and, and that, you know, we just come and watch, and they put on a show, or, and if you really get, you know, you might be a missionary to go into all the world, but, you know, but somehow or another, that doesn't work really for all of us, you know, it's just for certain people. I didn't have it. No. He's talking to us, the body of Christ. He says, go into all the world. And so how do you do that? You step out your front door, you get in your car, and you go to work. You go to Walmart. You go to wherever you go. And every place you go, you're going into your portion of the world where you are to be a witness and to be a light that dispels darkness and shines. Amen. You ever look on Facebook how, you know, look at this person's friends. They got all these friends. Are, oh, look, I know them. And so you kind of connect a little bit, but there's a whole bunch that you don't know, right? And everybody kind of has people in there that other people don't have. And, and so we've got these circles, and, you know, it's kind of like a web. It kind of builds, and you've got all these intricate little parts, but it all kind of comes around and builds this web. You know, that's kind of where the body of Christ is, that we're all locked in. We have this circle of touch all around us. But when we all walk together in one mind and one accord with the pursuit of the kingdom of God, then my circle of touch reaches Rachel's circle of touch, which connects in with Eric's, and here we go, well, bang, 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 and it all starts to come together, and we are going into all the world, and we are being the gospel. We preach it by how we live. Oh, man, y'all didn't get that at all. That ought be, you ought to be excited because, see, when you get to heaven... The first thing that you're going to have to stand and give an account for is how you responded to the great commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And over in Mark, they say, and all your strength, which just means if you didn't get it through those three, it's just everything that you got, <laughs> you know, everything you got, man. It's just you got to love him with it. See, that's so here... I mean, if we don't get anything else, we've got to be doing this because you're going to stand before God and give an account for what you chose to do. It's your, it's your choice to love him. Remember, this love is a 
It's a, it's a willful thing. You make a decision to do that. So, every morning when you get up, and within your heart, what you're pursuing, I mean, it's your passion, right? I mean, you get, you get excited about a job or a career or a whatever, uh, or a relationship, you know, with a person or whatever it is. And so, yeah, that gets you up in the morning. It, it gets you going. And that's fine. God wants you to do that as long as then you know he's there with you. And his kingdom is out there somewhere within that, and he wants to engulf that wherever you're going. He wants to bring that part into his kingdom, gaining new ground all the time. Are y'all getting this? In our heart. So it's, our heart consists of our purpose, our purposes, and our pursuits, and also our desires. What we're desiring, it's found within our heart. But we need to have a pure heart. What do you desire? Well, hmm, what are you desiring? That's where your, your treasures are. You know, that's, uh, you're searching after that treasure. You're desiring it. You know, what keeps you awake at night thinking about doing or whatever? See, there's a balance. And God wants, again, he wants us to be excited about those things, but he also, he wants to be a part of it. That he is the one that we can turn to, that he gives us the direction and the, and the, the ability and the capacity to do it, and he will give us an anointing to do it. If you leave him out, you're on your own. You know, and yeah, you got a lot of talent. God gave it to you. And we can do a lot of things on our own. And man accomplishes man, uh, mankind. Sorry, ladies, I didn't mean it that way. But mankind, men and women, do a lot of things by the talent that's within us that God gave to us. And that's what I like to tell doctors. Yeah, you know, man, you did a good job. God gave you every bit of talent that you have. He released the knowledge that you have, but then he did what you couldn't do. That's, I love to pray that. And, man, I love it when doctors say, go, well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, we ha- I don't know how that happened. I love it. Because God goes in and he just does a little bit more than what they knew how to do. So it's a, it's a place where, you know, our, our purpose is found, our desires are found. And uh, it's also where the, the, the region of our affections within the heart, you know? That's, that's that part of where our affections are, that we love those certain things, you know, and there's a, a love for uh, people and a love for maybe a particular person in our life. And, and, you know, have you ever... I don't know if some of y'all don't look like you've ever been in love. How many of you remember when you were in love? I know now you're in tolerance, but at one time you were in love, but... Bill doesn't understand what I'm talking about, but, you know, <laughs> one time you were in love, now you might be in tolerance, but, you know, can you remember that when, when you just loved that person and, and you just thought about them and first person you thought of in the morning and the last person you thought of at night and, and in between throughout the day, you just, they were on your mind, you know? What was that old song, you were always on my mind or whatever, something like that, you know? I mean, but the, you know, that's the, the part of your affection and it grabs you and God says, that's fine, I put that in you, but I've got to be your first love. In Revelation, he says to uh, Ephesus, to that church, he said, you know, man, you did good. You got, y'all are talented and you, did, you worked hard and you did some good stuff, but uh, I got one thing. <laughs> I just got one thing against you. The only thing is that one thing was a big thing. He said, you've forsaken 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 that's kind of like abandoning remember agape love won't never will abandon he said you've forsaken your first love and they were hey they were doing church 
problem was that they did so much church they just left Jesus out. <laughs> Hello. He might have been to one of them churches. Now, I have. <laughs> he says, you've forsaken your first love. So it's within the heart is the place of where our affections are. So we've got to love the Lord with all our heart, with all of our pursuits, with all of our desires, with all of our affection that's within us. Um, and, you know, we've got to love the things that God loves. Amen. He said there again in Matthew 6, 21, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so whatever we treasure, there's an affection for it. There's a desire for those things. And we pursue the treasure. I heard the other day on the news that <clears throat> there's some treasure someplace in this guy. This is just, uh, he got killed, you know, pursuing it and uh, said it was dangerous. I don't know if some man has put something that's the treasure there and he's just seeing who all will come or something like that. Maybe you all heard on the, <clears throat> I just heard it in passing, but. Anyway, he gave all he had to pursue that treasure and died in the process. You know, we need to give all we have in the pursuit, but we've got to realize that Jesus, first of all, and the kingdom of God is the treasure, is the ultimate treasure. But we just got to bring him into this thing. He doesn't want you to just to go off someplace and wear a, an old robe with a little belt around it and walk around like this. And, That's not what he wants. <laughs> You'd be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I mean, he wants you here to be a witness. You know? You to be light in the darkness. Now, I know some of y'all are so spiritual, you don't think you've seen darkness for a while. But you need to go blow some darkness up. You need to get some light in there. And that don't mean with a 13-pound Schofield Bible slapping people around. It means the glory, the joy of the Lord, you know. And let the, let the, your good light shine that people want it. Whoa, what you got? Man, I want some of that. Where did you get it? Uh, I'll show you. Man, come on. I'll show you who's, who my dealer is. Come on in and introduce them to me. I, I, I'm dealing this stuff out, man. I tell you what, I'm hooked on, I'm hooked on it. I got a Bible stuffed by my nightstand in case in the middle of the night I got to have, I got to have a, and now I love it on the phone, man. I just grab my phone and I put on that Bible. I can see it in the dark. You know, I, I'm hooked. I'm an addict, man. I got, you know, I got, I probably got tracks on my arms. You know, Bible tracks. Do y'all, we don't use those anymore. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But tracks, you know, witnessing tracks. Whoa, man. I don't know. It's a hard crowd here today, Lord. Man, we need to just have a desire, a hunger and a thirst after him. That's like, you know, but, but he wants you, though, to have these other pursuits and desires and all this, because he put that in you. When he designed you, he put all that ability and stuff in you. And so he wants you to do that, and you've got to be excited about doing it. But he just says, but just bring me with you and love me more than you love this. Is that making sense to anybody today? Because he said there in Matthew 6, 24, on down three verses from where he's talking about this treasure and where your, your heart's where your treasure is, he's, he said, no man can serve two masters. Now, women probably could, but he said, no, actually, he said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, then he identifies this, you cannot serve both God and money. Money comes in there. I don't care how you look at it. We don't talk a lot about it around here, but it's mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. Jesus had a lot to say about it because of the fact that it gets in there. And, you know, this drive, it's, it's get rich quick. You know, you do this, man, you make a lot of money. And here we go, and we're off. 
Here comes our, it, it's, it lights up our desires and all that. Money, 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 money. And so here we go. And Satan just laughing because he brings that out as a God. Because Paul said the love of money is the root of, you thought money was the root of all evil, but it's not. It's the love of money. It's putting the love that you should have for God over here on this thing. Because money's just amoral. In other words, it don't matter. I mean, it just depends on whose hands it's in, right? Put $10,000 in the hands of a, of a cocaine dealer. I'll get him a bag or so. You know, but put $10,000 in my hands and we're going to fix up the rural rangers. We're going to do something with the church. And Hey, man, we got a couple hundred thousand dollars. We'll put a parking lot in. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it just depends on whose hands it's in. So the money in itself's not bad. It's just whose hands that it is. And if you love that and you have your affections and your desires and your pursuit, then is after money other than God, and it's, it, that's first, then he says, huh, that can't work. And Paul said it's, it's a root of all kinds of evil. And you can't serve two masters because you'll start to hate God. Oh, boy, we're going to have some competition, too. So. But you'll start to hate God because you get mad. Because, you know why? Because there's a conviction down in there that you know that you should be doing such and such. I've had people come up and, you know, all of a sudden something comes into their life and it's going to be a good thing. They pursue it and it starts to take them a little bit more away from church, a bit more away. And so they kind of did get dislocated from the body. And, and so all of, then when all these things start to happen to them, it don't work out for good because they don't love God. They love that pursuit that they're after. I don't know. Y'all getting this? Hello. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the mailman. I just delivered. I don't write it. I just deliver it. Okay? So don't, get, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> but see, and then we wonder, well, what's the matter? And we get mad, and we get mad at the church, and they get mad at me because I'm the pastor of the church, so they got to get mad at me. I mean, you know, they, got, they crucified Jesus because they got mad because the, he was putting pressure on the religious leaders because they were loving their religion more than they were loving God. They loved all those laws that they got to write in there more than they loved God. So we've got to make sure that he's first, and then we put it in. Amen. Can you all hear? Okay. If, if, I'll grab another microphone if, it, if that rain gets too loud. Huh? Turn the volume up. You know what happened was we blew that one speaker right before service. So you only got one speaker over here. I knew the devil getting mad here when you start, start talking about loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And your, you know, he don't like that because he likes to be in the mix there somewhere. Well, we've got to talk about the soul. You know, um, what's in there? Well, the soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now, I know it says love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. He talks about when he says mind there, it's a little bit different. That's intellect, and we'll talk about that in a second. Right now in the soul, it's comprised of our, uh, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our thought life, you know. And see, our thoughts is what gets us into a lot of trouble because these thoughts come in. And you can't keep thoughts out of your mind. You know, they said it's kind of like, um, it's, it, one, one person said, well, you, you can't keep the birds from flying around your head, but you can keep them from building a nest. So thoughts are going to come to you. You just don't have to entertain them. You don't just have to dwell on those thoughts. And so we've got to be careful because when we love God with all of our soul, then we're saying, you know what? My thoughts are going to be upon you. My mind is stayed upon you. 
I'm going to think about you. And he says, uh, think on these things, you know, uh, you know about peace and, and, and love and joy and the things of who God is. And think about that he's the provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's my righteousness. He's my sanctification. He's my healer. And we think about him. And my mind is stayed upon him so that my thoughts are in him. Because if I don't keep my... Th- if I don't keep my, I'll stay over here. If I don't keep my thoughts, if I don't keep my thoughts on him, then my thoughts will get over here and start to attach to some of these other things and start to draw me aside. So I got to love him. I got to choose to love him and to think about him. I'm going to think about him instead of thinking about these other things. People get discouraged and they get, they get uh, depressed and pulled down because their thoughts are pulling them down and, and they don't trust God enough to, to think about him and to trust him, they start thinking, oh, no, this is going to happen. You know, worry is just the opposite of prayer. You know, praying is, is you're meditating upon the Lord and upon his word and what he says. Worry is just you're, you're thinking about all the bad things that's going to come, the false, right? And, and fear then comes in, and fear is just the opposite of faith. Fear is false evidences appearing real. Spell it out there, right? Okay. So we got to be careful. So we got to love him with all of our soul. we got to give him all that's within us. We're going to praise him. Amen. So love him with our, our, our soul is our thoughts and our will that we choose that, that, uh, that we're going to worship him. We choose that we're going to love him. We choose uh, that which is good. You know, when we look at the Word and we see the principles in the Word, we make a decision, a willful decision to choose that that's what we're going to do. When you're loving him with all your mind, are y'all cold? Some, some of you are, some of you aren't. Okay. That's, that's good. That means that it must be just perfect. When you love him with all your mind as in intellect, you make a decision to, to put, put your, your intellect, your thought, your reasonings, and your, uh, and your study into the principles of God and you realize that that's a, there's a Christian worldview. You know, there's many worldviews out there. And people study philosophy. They, they study all these other things, and they develop a certain worldview, how they see the world and how it works. We need to have a Christian worldview and say that we know that God's Word says this, that way, then therefore, this has to happen. And when I make a decision or I'm thinking about something and I'm reasoning on it, what is going to happen, I'm going to base that upon the Word of God, not upon some theory or some philosophy over here. Is that making sense? So I've got to commit myself that, that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to let God, I'm going to love him and I'm going to commit this part of myself, my intellect, my mind that's going to be studying, I'm going to keep it on his word, upon his principles so that he's first there and I'm going to base everything upon that. Our mind also has our character in it, you know, that uh, our character is who we develop, who we become. As you begin to read the word and you begin to to see God through His Word being exposed, it begins to develop character in you. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, it becomes part of us that develops our character. One of the big problems that we have about love is, is that we get messed up with gifts. We'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can go ahead and turn there. We'll maybe get down to it here in a minute. But, you know, the problem there is, is that you got, might have all kinds of gifts and talents, but you don't have no character. Did you know your gift can take you to a place where your character can't handle it? You don't believe me? Just look at these stars that go to, 
They get, man, they go all kinds of fame and all this money and everything. And they've got a gift. They've got a talent that got them there. But they ain't got an ounce of character. And they blow it. What was her name? Uh, Lindsay. Man, there's a whole bunch of people that's, that's blown it, right? Get all kinds, you know, their gift takes them to a certain point. But they don't have any character to sustain them. People, we've got to be careful because, you know, in church, we start to, oh, we, we think we got this gift and that, and we're just going to jump out there and we're going to do something, but then we don't have a character to back it up. That ain't love. And people can spot that real quick, and that's when they start to back off. That's when they see the falseness to it. It's just all us, none of God. I want you to turn to there to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's look at some of these verses here. Again, thinking on this like, he says that you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So who's your neighbor? If you love yourself and you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, that means you're going to feed your neighbor, right? You love yourself, you make sure you have a, some, uh, that you stay warm at night. You got some, you know, food, shelter, clothing, that's pretty much the basics, right? I mean, just think about it. So, I mean, so we're supposed to be concerned about our neighbor. Jesus told that parable about the Good Samaritan who was the outcast. You know, the Jews wouldn't even walk by them. They go, you know, 70 miles out of the way just not to even come in contact with them. And he says, and here's a guy that uh, came over and, and he did good to the person that was laying there that needed help. You know, re religion walked on by, but here came someone that says, that's my neighbor. And he went to him. And that's what we're supposed to do. We've got to see a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Yeah, that's a standing ovation. Woo! <laughs> Woo! See, if you just praise him enough, it just goes away. I love it. Hallelujah. We get some money, we're going to put some those sound things through here, and it's going to trap that from up, up above too. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a resounding gong. Are a clanging symbol. Mm-hmm. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Wow. Now, you know, what's, what's the purpose of 1 Corinthians chapter 13? The pur I'm sorry, I keep forgetting why. The purpose of 1 Corinthians 13 is because it comes right after 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, if you know the, the book, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talks about the body of Christ, the unity and oneness of the body, and then it talks about the manifestation gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretations of tongues, prophecy, faith, miracles, you know, that's, you know, these, these gifts, the, the manifestation gifts of, of, of the Spirit, it shows the very abilities of Christ. And so people get all excited about that kind of stuff, right? Sure they do. The problem is, is that if you don't have any character, like he said, it don't profit anything. So Paul says, you know, you need to learn a little bit about love because if you don't have love, you know, what good does it do to prophesy? What good does it do to all these things, these gifts. These gifts don't mean anything if you don't love somebody, right? All you're doing is just, we're having a show or something. 
Ah, that didn't do any good at all. So it's for balance is the first thing. Love brings the balance to it. It really brings the reality of what it is. God didn't save you so that you could be all that. And that's what some people get saved and, they, and they, that's what they look for is to be, oh, I want to be all that. I want to be Sister Bucket Mouth. I mean, no, I mean the Sister Prophecy. Yeah, and stuff. Brother Bellyache. I mean, Brother <laughs> Discern, He's got discerning of spirits. I had one guy come up and he says, well, you know, God's given me a cutting ministry. I said, yeah, you're cutting people down all the time, man. You need to back up. You need to lighten up. That ain't no ministry from the Holy Spirit. That's just a critical spirit. You need to get deliverance. So he left the church. But, <laughs> but it was good. Yeah, it really was. It, it was good. People vote here with their feet. <laughs> so I said, you know, they come, they leave, you know, but Sometimes we don't like to hear a, a message about commitment and overcoming. And Paul said, you know what? You want, to, you want gifts in operation, and you want to see the body of Christ, and you want to see all these things. Then you know what? You need to have a lesson about love. Because they forgot that Jesus said, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbors yourself. And if you forget that, then it's all just a bunch of trash. It's, as he said, a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So... Paul, he starts out there in verse 1 there in 1 Corinthians. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, I mean, I'm speaking in heavenly language here that the angels are hearing. And he says, and he says but I have not love. I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. And that ain't no good. we got the gong show going on. Yeah? And that was what was happening in the Corinthian church. <laughs> He's out. What's the, let's see you come up here and perform for us. Let's see if you got a good gift. And that's all that they're looking for. People, I want to tell you something. That's not what Life Christian Center is all about. Amen. Do we want the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation? Absolutely. That's what brings balance, what brings direction. It's what uh, brings about healing and unity. But it needs to be used in love, not, boy, did you see what I did today? <laughs> it's not about you. It's not about you. And if you think it is, you need to read this chapter again. It's not about you. And, you know, carnal, carnal people, when I say carnal people, do we understand what I'm talking about? In other words, fleshly, so self-centered people, uh, you know, they, they can't handle gifts because it's not about God. I heard one lady one time, she was like, starts prophesying. I'll never forget it. And it's like, started out pretty good, you know. Thus saith the Lord thy God, and whatever, you know. He's in the midst of the, and I thought it was going to go into a little song or something, but then she starts saying something about alligators and, and uh, elephants and wee woozles, and, and I, I don't know, I was like, what? And I look over, I was the associate pastor at the time, I kind of look at the pastor like, huh? He goes, he looks at me like, huh? He steps up and says, let's just praise the Lord, let's just worship the Lord. She's still going on talking about whatever it was. It was completely off base. I don't know what she was looking at reading. I think people go buy Chinese fortune cookies to try to get, you know, get a little up on it. I was just, just memorized it all. Man, talk about laboring and that, think that that's going to exalt them, lift them up a little bit. You ain't fooling nobody. So it's not about you, but it's about God. And it's about loving him. And when you love him and he's got all of you, then if he needs you, he'll reach down and tell you something. 
then you better be obedient, whether you like it or not. You think you can or you can't or whatever. It had nothing to do about it. God said, go. And you say, okie dokie. Hmm. You know, he says, so if I speak in tongues with men and angels, but have my love. That's what I said a while ago. You might have a gift that'll get you someplace, but you don't have the character to handle it while you're there. It's the same way it is in the body of Christ. And, and then, so it's not about you. It's all about love. And that's what God was showing when he said, for God so loved the world, he gave this love is a giving love. It's a, it's a willful decision of, of giving something, giving of ourself, you know, giving of ourself to him. Uh, you don't have to speak Greek and Hebrew and whatever to be used of God. You just love him. And when you love him and he has you, then you know what? Don't worry about it. That's the thing. Do you love him? Do you love him? That's the question. Do you love him? It's not about flaunting some gift or in Hawkins. Speaking tongues of men and angels. And, you know, they were all this bragging stuff here in Corinthians. And Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. But it's not about that. You know, he was from Texas because he said, you all. And, and people don't believe that, but I, I tell them everywhere I go. I'm from Texas. But. And he said, you know, I, you know I, I've got more gifts than you do, but I don't go around flaunting it. You got to love God. You got to love people. You got to care about people. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when there's a real care and compassion there, and you love that person, then God takes that compassion and He anoints it with the Holy Spirit. And that's where miracles occur. I'll never forget standing in Africa. And toward the end of a, of a message, God laid on my heart to see if there's anyone there that had hip problems. I've had two hip replacements. I know the pain that goes in, that's involved with when you have a bad hip. I know it. I know it. I'll never, ever forget it. And I thought, Lord, nah, are you sure? There you go. Ask the Lord if he's sure. Yeah. But anyway, that's where I was. So, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to be obedient. So I asked, and I mean, about 40 people's hands went up, and I couldn't believe it. And I just really was almost overwhelmed because I'd be, with, out of the compassion that I had, for their suffering, I mean, I was getting pretty emotional, and I had them come forward, and I mean, I was crying out to God because I thought, Lord, you know, I had my hip replaced, and I know God, it was an ordained thing that he, he allowed and he brought about, had the best surgeon, that surgeon's written books about hip replacements out of the Methodist hospital, that's a great hospital, you think you're walking into the Four Seasons or something, get your little brass carts there and get your luggage and put it on it, I mean, it's a great hospital. I think, thank you, God, that, that you allowed that to happen. didn't cost me a thing. Thank you, God, that, that you took care of that. Miracle. These people will never have that. They'll never have that. They're out here on the backside of, you know, Af Africa, and they're not going to get that. If you don't touch them, they'll, they'll remain. They'll just get worse. And with that, out of that desperate plea of compassion for the person and knowing that God could do it, out of desperation and compassion, the Holy Spirit moved. And I want to tell you something, miracles occurred. This one little old lady, I mean, she was, I'm, bless her heart, I just felt so bad to even ask him to come forward. I mean, it, was, I just, it hurt so bad. All of a sudden, she began to open her eyes, look around a little bit, straighten up a little bit. Started kind of doing this. <laughs> and and I can't even I can't even begin to do all the rest of when the Holy Ghost hit her. I mean she was <laughs> she was started moving. <laughs> Woo! And I mean pretty soon she was moving. It's like everybody's like, whoa. And man, I mean it just started to happen. It just started to break loose. Why? 
love? Love. When we have that for people, God can take that compassion that we have, that love that we have for them, and he can bring about the gifts that are necessary for their life. That's what I want to see. We're not trying to build some crowd here. You just to build up, so we have so many people, we've got this crowd. We're not trying to build a crowd. We're trying to build Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when you catch that, this is just the, this is just the filling station, man. I mean, this is where we come to get filled up because we've been out there all week, you know, sharing the good news and living our life for Jesus and loving him. And people have been seeing that and we've been having divine opportunities to pour into their life. And so we come back in here to celebrate. This is celebration time. Don't come on Sunday morning all. <laughs> we'll lay hands on you and it might not be for prayer, but <laughs> just, I'm just serious. But, <laughs> but do you care? He says it doesn't do any good. No matter what your gift is, if you don't have love, you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So he goes on down here, to, uh, and he goes into this next thing. He says, and if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, he said, I'm only a resounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Verse 2 there, he says, and if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom uh, all mysteries and all knowledge. I mean, whoa, what? Yeah, all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a, uh, a faith that can move mountains, whoa, yeah. Uh, but have not love, I'm nothing. Really? Yeah, the Dalai Lama can do some things. And he ain't nothing but filled with demons. I, I know because I've been there. <laughs> right there in his temple. Seeing him, they pray. that He prays that he be uh, filled, possessed by demons, speak something out. A guy over here is supposed to be the interpreter. He's the oracle. He then tr translates what is going to happen that particular year. And they, all, they count on demons to do that. And they can do some things. You know, the, in the last days, the devil's going to work miracles. So if you're running around looking for people that can move mountains and, and fathom all uh, mysteries and all knowledge, you follow after them, you know what? You're probably following after the wrong person. If they don't have real love, because, you know, we walked up that temple road, and I'm looking over here, here's people with leprosy. I never saw leprosy before in my life. It existed right there. I've got pictures of these people, leprosy and all this stuff, and it's on the temple road, and he's supposed to be the Buddha of compassion. I was talking about righteous indignation. When he came driving by on his Mercedes, everybody started gathering around. I thought, what's going on? Oh, there's a guy. almost come. Oh, really? Well, their head's supposed to be lower than his head. You know, anytime he's around, they got to be lower than him. Well, so he's sitting down in his Mercedes, and he comes by, and he's just driving. And I'm mad because we come down here, and I see all these people that are needing something, and he ain't got nothing except for just being exalted. And I'm mad because I'm seeing that there's no light there, and I'm sorry. But when he drove by, everybody got down, and I went up like that. <laughs> and he looked over at me, and I looked right down at him. I thought, you, yeah, that's fine. Look at me. <laughs> I'd like to have a conversation with you if that would work. <laughs> you know, we had a, we got an opportunity to speak in this Anglican church. <laughs> Only one around. They built it back when Britain had, uh, back in a war. And so somehow or another, this, this little Indian Anglican pastor, after he said, would you like to share a testimony? And our missionaries there go, they look like, whoa. I said, sure. And he said, okay, we can have 10 minutes. I go, that'll work. 
And so, man, I got to share the gospel. And that place was pretty full. And I noticed kind of about that side back there, there was a very well-dressed businessman, uh, Indian man. And so afterwards, we're talking to different people. And so he comes up, and I'm thinking, this guy is not your just run-of-the-mill citizens here. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, well, we might be in a heap of trouble. But it is what it is. <laughs> and uh, so he said, um, he, introduced, he just told me his name, and he said, I'd like to have you and your wife over this afternoon for tea. I go, oh, that sounds cool. I never had kind of a British tea type thing. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. Do we get to leave this tea party? <laughs> you know? And um, so we went and went with our missionaries and come to find out he was the liaison to the Dalai Lama. You know, this Tibetan Buddhism is the Dalai Lama is over Tibetan Buddhism. He's been expelled and run out of Tibet. And so he's right there on the edge of in India. And so India has, they have a liaison between the governments to make sure everything works fine and all this stuff that they're not trying to take over India and all that. And so this guy, he said, and he was the liaison to the Dalai Lama. I said, really? And I said, so have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And, and, and I, y'all, I know y'all probably would want to know if I was going to ask him what kind of cookies we're having with tea. But I, <laughs> yeah. I, when there's 300 million gods in a country and you've been there for about two weeks, yeah, it's all business. It's all business. And he said, I absolutely have. I said, so you're sure that you're a believer? And so I'm checking him all out. And I said, that is awesome. And he says, and the other man that's liaison is a believer also. And I said, and you guys are assigned to the Dalai Lama? He said, yeah. I said, here's the thing. I said, the Bible says in the mouth of two or more witnesses will a thing be established. So when the Dalai Lama has to stand before the throne of God and give an account for who he is and what he did and every person he drove by and had no compassion on them at all, you guys are going to be standing right there to bear witness of it. I want to tell you something. All that stuff, all that religion, and all the religions of the world, they don't do any good. They're just absolutely nothing. It's dead because there's no real love there and there's no real God there. See, Jesus walked by those people and he set them free. He went to them and he prayed for them and set them free. Praise God. People, I want to tell you something. We're coming into this age of where we've got to be loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. I mean, we got to understand this. It's so simple. It's what he, but it's so deep when we get into it that there's no alternatives left, and we're sold out. Like I said, you don't have to speak Greek or Hebrew. You don't have to know this doctrine or whatever. Just love God. With everything. Go all in. Go all in. And when you go all in, he's going to come all in. And he'll supply whatever you need. He'll take care of that at that particular time for witnessing. You want to see miracles? See people turn from depression to the point of suicide. Marriages falling apart. You know, no job. Just stuff that we're living in. See those things turned around? Wow. Wow. Man, I love it. Um, people come in, we're praying for them to get work. I got a job. <laughs> wow, yes. I mean, I've had to pray for work before. That's cool. That's neat. That's what we need to be involved in. Hallelujah. So he says here, you know, you can have all these gifts. You can have all this knowledge. And he says, and it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, and so, you know, we, we're out here trying to think. It's, it's not about playing church. It's about being sold out to God. It's about being all in. 
We need to get back down here to the basics and just kind of start to work from there and let God build all this stuff into us. Are we getting any of that? That's what we need to do. We get our eye over here on this ministry and that ministry and what they're doing and all this stuff that they're doing. It's like, wait a minute. The Bible says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised his shame, and he's now set down at the right hand of the Father. In other words, he had enough love for us that he chose to take that position. So he endured the cross. And, and all that he went through, the agony that he went through, and dying, sharing our pain, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, by his stripes were healed, and he endured all that because of the joy. And what was the joy? The love for me and you and you and you and every one of us. That love, that love will take you to the depths. And you know what? And God says, hey, I, I got a place right here by my throne for you too. Hallelujah. Father, just help us today. Help us to grab this today. That it's not all about these gifts. The gifts are going to come. Signs follow those that believe. Help us get our eyes off of all this stuff and get our eyes back on you. Father, where that scripture says, I, I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my, my body to the flames. But if I have not love, I gain nothing. There's people doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Those are the right things to do, but it's for the wrong reasons. Lord Jesus, I, I remember you telling the story of where you said that there in, in heaven that these men came up before the throne and to be judged and, and they, they were to depart and, and go off into eternal darkness and damnation. And they said, Lord, Lord, we cast out devils in thy name. And you said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Never. Help us not to get our eyes on the workings and on iniquity, which is self-willfulness, and get our eyes back on you. It's not about doing. It's about being. Being in Christ. And being heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Loving you, God, and allowing you to work through us. The apostles weren't nothing. They're just average people and just had their jobs to do, but you took them. When they sold out to you and you turned the world upside down. Father, touch our hearts today. Touch our hearts today. Lord, I think about the church of Ephesus where you said, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. And, and that they couldn't tolerate wicked men and all these things. It says, but yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Father, there's people sitting in here today that they've done that maybe not willfully not just turn around shaking their fist at you but but gradually caught up in this and caught up in that and then this pursuit and that pursuit and it's not intentional it just happens and before we know it we just drifted drifted over to the side and and like peter yeah man jesus you're cool you're our man yeah you're all right but you know, we got other things there. I'm talking to somebody today. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. I'm talking to somebody today. You didn't mean for it to happen. You never wanted it to happen, but all of a sudden you woke up and found out something, ha something had happened. And you just don't feel as close to God as you did. That love that was there is just now, it's just kind of. 
It's kind of like a husband and wife that just kind of gradually grow apart as the kids come in and, and the kids, I got all this stuff and we're going to soccer games and little football and little league baseball and all this stuff and everything's just happening and we're just going through and we're just kind of going different directions a little bit and kind of going apart and all of a sudden kids are gone and husband and wife turn around and say, who are you? You know, that's kind of the way we get all caught up in life and all the stuff and and yeah, it's good. I mean, yeah, it's our job and it's this and it's that and it's our family and it's it's this person and but we find ourselves really loving them and we're giving a part of our heart and our soul and our mind to these things and not for God and then all of a sudden we wake up and we find wait a minute. Lord, what are you doing over there? And we've just kind of been in the same house but not in the same, even in the same bed, but, you know, we just kind of like, just kind of grown apart from God. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? So if that's you today, I'm not going to have you stand up, come down here, and whatever. I'm right where you are. I want you to ask God to forgive you. And if you'll draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. You purpose within your heart and your soul and your mind that you're going to put him first. You start working on it. Sandy and I have been married over 40 years, and people say, how does that happen? A lot of work. Tolerance, as someone has said. <laughs> no, just a lot of work. you got to work at there When times get, there's things that come and can move you apart. Y'all, I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about or not. But it can move you apart. And when that happens, you've got to work on your relationship. That's the way it is with our relationship with God. We've got to work on it. Make sure that we stay focused on who we love. Not going to lose sight of that. So, I, I want you just to ask God to forgive you and ask Him to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit who has been given to guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit can guide you back together, can put you back together. Humpty Dumpty set on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty together again. I don't matter, all the doctors, psychologists, and every counselors and all this stuff, they can't put Humpty back together again. But I want to tell you something. God can. He can. He said, what a preacher preach on today, Humpty Dumpty. Let me say this too. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you have something against somebody or somebody has something against you, you need to get it taken care of. You know, Jesus said, he told that story. He says, if you come in to the altar, you're bringing your gift before the altar. I mean, you, oh man, this is a spiritual deal, man. You're coming before God and you're, he said, you leave that gift there, you go back out, and you make amends with that relationship. You get it straightened out. Why? Because that's how, port, how important it is. It doesn't matter, these things, these gifts, and these stuff like that. He says, you get this relationship right. you got to love your neighbor as yourself. you got to love that person. And so if there's somebody that you, what is the deal? We get all this stuff. We think we can decide who we're going to love and who we're not going to love? really and we're going to choose you know who's going to do this and who's going to do that and who we're going to give attention to i don't think so we're a servant of god 
We need to love one another. Love one another. Man, we don't have time to go into all that John talked about. And take one, just one of his little books. He said, you know what? You got to love one another. That's how people are going to know that you're, that you're a, a disciple. That's how they're going to know that you're a Christian is because of the love that you have for one another. And people look at the church and they say, no, I want none of that. I got enough drama as it is. I ain't getting no, going into no church. People, we're living in a critical age. We can't afford to do anything that causes somebody to stumble because you're going to stand before God. And he said, you know what? You're stinking thinking and your attitude and your uh, refusal to love that person kept them out of church. And for that, wow, what is it, Ezekiel? That has that, um, yeah, 318. He says, but their blood's going to be on your hands. That ain't no good. Can people see love in you? Can they see love in you? So, before the Lord right now, as you're praying, if, man, let the Holy Spirit show you if there's somebody that you've offended or that, you know, <laughs> you need to go to them. And you need to ask them to forgive you. Don't say, I'm sorry. Don't, don't apologize. apologize. Apologies are just like excuses and armpits, you know. Everybody has two of them. They both stink and ain't no good. But forgiveness, see, forgiveness, that removes it. When God forgives us, that erases it. It removes it. And when that person forgives you, then that's gone. And if they bring it back up, that's up to them. But, man, you're released from it. You go and you say, you know, and you might have been in the right. It might have been just their way that they took it. But you can, you know what, whatever you did, it offended them, whether you were right or wrong. It offended them. And you can go, you know, I know that what I did offended you, and I need to ask you if you'll forgive me for it. And then, you're, then the ball's in their court. If they say yes, then you need to pray with them. You guys need, need to pray together, ask God to seal that and to heal that relationship and get on about our business of, of being a church, being the body of Christ. Hallelujah. You didn't know it was going to get tough in here. Start talking about love, huh? Father, just help us today to do an inward search. Lord, this is serious. This is probably one of the most serious messages I believe that you've given me to preach father i'm not so sure that we've really unpacked this the way that it needs to be unpacked and taken a look at it and examined it but lord here we are holy spirit you need to help us father we know that you loved us and you gave everything you had so that you could so that we could be a light for you and that we could be a reflection of your glory and and now we're down here picking who we're going to love and we're picking out who we're going to forgive and, and who we're going to talk to and, and who's worthy of us. And Lord, help us. Help us right now to, to see how that needs to change. Lord, I believe you're looking for a blood-bought church of the living God who will walk the walk and talk the talk and show forth the love of Jesus. Lord, that you want us to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, live like Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, just help us. Help us, Father. Lord, help us to realize you said love is patient. It has a capacity to tolerate delay and long-suffering. Love's kind. Willing to help and assist. And be considerate. Love does not envy. 
not resentful when somebody else is being blessed or wanting their stuff and be jealous at that. Not boastful, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, no record of no record of wrongs being held back. Lord, that this is the kind of love that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You said it never fails. Lord, we've got to work on that. So we, we're before you today and ask that you help us. So with our heads bowed and before the Lord, how you doing on loving the Lord entirely, completely? What areas do you need to ask him to forgive you? Just do it right now, right where you are. Man, if we were at camp meeting, we'd be up here. We'd have things out here for altars, and I mean, we'd be, we'd be blowing it up. What do you need to do different in your life? You know, if you keep doing the same old thing and expecting different results, they say that's insanity, right? So what do you need to do different? Get a plan. Because I'm telling you, when we stand before God, and i got to be your witness, I'm going to, I say, I preach the message. We've got to catch this thing. We've got to work on it. And what about other people in your life? What about other relationships? Have you been rude? Have you been self-seeking to somebody? Have you been vicious rather than kind? If you, have you spoken harsh words to somebody? You need to go and correct that. I don't care who's right or wrong. <laughs> you know how parents are. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's have some peace. Let's have some love. Who do you need to forgive? <laughs> Write down their names. Let the Holy Spirit direct you. And then go to them. Go to them. And let the Holy Spirit begin to show you who your, who your neighbor is. Can you stand with me this morning? If you know that you know that you know, no doubt in your mind, no doubt in your heart, no doubt in your soul, that the Lord, Jesus Christ, is your Savior. He died for you. And he rose from the dead. And he promises that our debt is paid and we're going to live together with it. If you know that and you know you're a child of God and that if you walked out those doors and something happened and you dropped over dead or you dropped over dead here before we walked out those doors, that you know that the next thing that you're going to see is heaven, if you're sure of that, just raise your hand and say, I'm a child of God, and I'm not ashamed to, to uh, acknowledge him. Amen, amen. And drop your hands, let's bow our heads again. If you couldn't raise your hand just then, and you're not sure, you had some question marks, right now, while nobody's looking around, just say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I'm not real sure, but I want to know. I'm not going to ask you to come fall. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than just raise your hand right now. If you're not sure, right where you are, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand a while ago. But will you pray for me because I want to have that assurance. I want to know that I'm a child of God. Anybody here? Just raise your hand. Anybody here? How many, when nobody's looking around, just between you and God, that you'd be honest enough and you'd take a, an honest look at yourself and say, you know what? Father, I'm sorry. I, I've walked away from you. I've kind of drifted away. Nobody's looking. Just raise your hand to the Lord and say, Father, will you forgive me? I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. If that's you, just raise your hand to the Lord and say, I'm coming back. 
if your walk is not as tight, if your walk of love with the Lord is not where it should be, man, I tell you what, I want to be closer to him. I want to be closer to him. Wow. Go home and read Philippians chapter 3 and see what Paul talks about. Amen. Can you take the hand of the person next to you today and let's just pray one for another and we're going to get you out of here. See, I just was waiting for the rain to stop. So now then, it's all, it's all stopped. We pray over you and you can go out. It, it, you know, Gabe and those guys started it pray, uh, singing that song about rain. There's power in the words. <laughs> it says there's power in the tongue, life and death. Well, they brought the rain down. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray together. You join in hands. Feel that hand in your hand. That means you're not alone. You're part of the body of Christ. You can run, but you can't hide. You are loved. God loves you. We love you. I pray every day that this, we're going to have a love fest. That's really what that word, <laughs> you look at that word love, it's just like a love fest. I mean loving people, loving God. Father, as we're joined together today, thank you that we can be part of the body of Christ. Thank you for this design that you designed. It's your manifold wisdom. So, Lord, in this, we're going to love our neighbor as ourself. So we're going to pray for our neighbor today, the person on our right hand. Father, that you just meet their needs, physical needs, bring healing, emotional needs. Father, the stress of you try to come against them. We just come, we come against those things. Father, that you strengthen and encourage and bless them. Father, make them.